You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Coming to you before the break of dawn in West Palm Beach in Florida. And I'll be heading back down toward Gulfstream Park at the back end of the week after the Eclipse Awards are done on Thursday night. News from here later in the programme. News from all around the globe during the course of this show as well. Plus, of course, uh, further look ahead to Cheltenham's important fixture at the weekend. But first of all, the most important news in global bloodstock today comes uh, via Jour de Gallo and comes from France. And this is that Blue Rose Sen, the champion juvenile filly of 2022 and the champion three-year-old of 2023, uh, has moved stables. She will leave the yard of Christopher Head and is now taking up residency in the smaller stable of Maurizio Guarnieri in Chanty. Uh, she's a four-time Group 1 winner, the pre-Marcel Boussac, dual classic heroine in the Pouliche and the Prix de Diane, and rounded off last campaign with a victory in the Prix de l'Opera. The man who broke this story, Adrian Cunhas, is with me now. Adrian, before we hear from uh, her new trainer, just tell us your understanding of what's happened here and why these powerful new owners, Yaguada Centurion, who've had so much success in the last few years, have decided to do this. So um, this year, the, the number of, of horses of Yaguada Centurion trained in France is exploding. They have many, many horses. And uh, they have now 25 horses with Christopher Head, massively, most of them being uh, two years old. And that's a very unexpected decision. They decided to uh, um, send new horses especially two years old, to another trainer in Chianti, Maurizio Guarneri, and they send him Burosen while Big Rock remain at uh, Christopher Head. That's really unexpected. Um, I think nobody really expected that. But uh, Leo Pujas, you know, the owner of Yaga Centurion, is a man that really uh, follows his ideas and sometimes he do things that people nobody expects. And that's, that's what happened. But at the minute, there is no will at all to uh, uh, have a decline in, in the horses in the hands of Christopher Head. He remained the, the, the trainer with the biggest number of Yaga Centurion horses in training. So this is, a, again, it's very unusual because we, we're used to owners and trainers falling out and moving all their string, but he keeps 25 horses in training with Christopher Head, and yet he sent uh, Blue Rose Sen, the, the, the very talented filly, to Maurizio Guarnieri. Now, what more can you tell me about Maurizio Guarnieri, and not a name that many of my listeners will be particularly familiar with? So, Maurizio Guarnieri, I think he's 64. He was for years in the top five uh, in Italy, he was a very talented trainer with two years old. And if, and I would say five or 10 years ago, he decided to move to France. He had, he had good results with a small string of horses. He won a couple of group races with two years old. He, he was doing well and then he moved to Chanty last year. So he, he had a very small yard. And now that's that's a big news for him because I think he didn't have much contact with Vigila Centurion because he's Italian and they are Spanish. And he had a phone call and they told him, do you want to have horses for us? 
was so he received well bred yearlings because they only have well bred yearlings and also they told him would you like to receive blue ascent so he said yes that's a lot of pressure on on his on, on, on his shoulders but he's, he's a very experienced trainer and uh, he, he just trains like one mile away from Christopher Edyard. So it's a very unusual situation. And, and, and I'm, I'm quite sad for Christopher that's going to see Blurosen probably quite often in the in the tracks in the morning because they are, they, they, Shanti is not that big. So it's a, it's a very unusual situation. And uh, but this, this operation, Centurion, is really exploding. and. You know, last year they produce with with small generation of 15 to 20 folds that broad sand, big rock, are to justify which one the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Freddy Turf, Ramatuel, which was runner-up in the morning, Jigmi, which was was no stallion but the, the best outdoor in France last year, and now they have three times more mares. They have a massive number of horses in training coming, so I don't know what the future of, of their breeding and racing operation, but that's really, really extremely impressive. All right, thanks to Adrian Cunhas. Now, the, the new trader then, let's meet him. Uh, Maurizio Guarnieri. Uh, I asked him what his reaction to being sent a, a horse like Blue Rose Sen was. Uh, it's a dream for me. I, uh, she's arrived uh, yesterday. So, I don't know. Uh, for the moment, uh, I don't know what is the program with Philly. We have to discuss avec Verona. Uh, everything uh, for the moment and so uh, <laughs> for the moment I am happy that uh, she arrived here I don't know why they change uh, uh, because uh, you know uh, he did, uh, he, he did uh, an extraordinary uh, uh, season with uh, with uh, Feeling so, uh, you know, it's very difficult to do uh, another year like uh, this year. <laughs> so, but uh, we try, we try. Okay. Uh, and th- this is obviously an ownership group who like to do things their own way, and they've had an unbelievable level of success in a very short time. How many horses will you be training for Centurion in 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 2024? Ten, 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 ten horses. Yes, uh, I have uh, two for here. The other one, uh, one is uh, Blue Rose Chen. The other one uh, is uh, Mister Melbourne, Melbourne Chen, because uh, he won uh, in the month of March a maiden uh, in Chantilly. Uh, he never ran uh, after that he won. The three-year-old by Churchill never ran. And uh, we have uh, four uh, Colt uh, uh, of uh, two years. Okay. Yep. Um, we have uh, Frankel and Wotan Bassett. Uh, Persian King. Uh, ah, and called uh, by Uncle Mo. Uncle Mo. Wow. Uh, use a huh? mm, Yes. Uh, we have also a, a Blue Point. We have uh, a Kingman, Philly. All right, that's uh, Maurizio Guarnieri. Uh, now well stocked with extremely uh, blue blooded 
uh, either purchases or homebreds from uh, Centurion. And I did speak to Christopher Head. Uh, he didn't really want to be drawn on the specifics of Blue Rose Sen moving yards, but recognised that he still had, I think he said, 22 horses in training for, for the ownership. And it, this was a you know burgeoning operation that he was very pleased to still be a part of. And of course, he still trains Big Rock, the runaway QE2 winner. So it's it's not unprecedented, but, but it's quite an unusual situation, this, Jane. I mean, we, we're used to owners taking swathes of horses away when there's a fallout. There evidently hasn't really been one here, or not that we know of. And yet a champion is is on the move. Uh, what do you make of it, Jane Mangan? Yeah, it's it's strange. Usually, and I won't lie, when I heard the news, I thought there had to be a falling out. I, I thought there had to be a disagreement. You know, you, you've got a four-time Group 1, multiple classic winning filly for Chris Head, who he's campaigned ambitiously and with great success. Moving to a trainer, I'll be honest, I, I haven't heard of. I know he's won a pair of Group 1s in his native Italy. He's trained over a thousand winners but you know you've got a filly of this stature going from a yard that she knows so well uh chris head you know chris head has not missed a beat with her uh i it's extraordinary it's an extraordinary move and i personally this is just my opinion i don't see anything to be gained from it because her last run at longchamp is a group one win the only way you can you can't better it. You can't better the record that Chris Head has had with Blue Rosen. Having said that, um, it may well be that they want to expand, or clearly they do want to expand, have big strings spread amongst a number of trainers. And I guess if you're trying to enfranchise one of your new trainers and show a vote of confidence in them rather than saying, well, you're just a kind of second division trainer with some of the cast-offs, then you do what they've done here. I mean, listing the, the stallions that Maurizio was listing of some of the two-year-olds he was getting off them, Frankels and Wusson Bassets and Uncle Moe's, plus this filly. It's a massive vote of confidence in him being a major part of an operation that in just four years has thrown up two genuine champions in Big Rock and Blue Rose Sen and has produced a, a Breeders' Cup winner on top of that. Yeah, look, this filly is their homebred as well. So through and through, they know her so so well and if they wanted to create awareness for the trainer then they're absolutely doing it because we're, we're talking about it the papers will be talking about it the racing community will be discussing it so they have achieved if that was their goal certainly that and they also probably want um Maurizio to have top level success quickly with their colors and you know who's most likely to give it to them Blue Rose Sen, of course, she's got that form in the book. So it's it's an extraordinary move. I love the filly. I'm so happy she's staying in training. I applaud everybody involved for that. Again, credit where it's due. She's had 12 career runs, of which she's won eight. So uh, there's nothing not to like about this filly. And look, I hope for everybody that she comes back as a four-year-old better than ever. And uh, Maurizio gets the headlines that, that are all positives. And as I say, the the, the a remarkable ascent of this operation, uh, Yaguada Centurion, um, uh, owned by the uh, magnates Leopoldo Fernandez Pujals. And if you if you do a bit of uh, research into into his business exploits and his acumen, you will realise that that this that this has the potential to be way way bigger even than it than it has become already. So that's the news 
from France. My thanks to Adrien Cunhas and the team at Jour de Gallo for passing on that news today. What's happening, uh, Jane, in Ireland this week before we move on to all the goodies at the weekend? Well, tomorrow I'll be off to Goran Park where hopefully the weather will be kind. We've had two storms in the space of three days. We've had a week solid of frost, but hopefully Goran Park will make way for what will be uh, another vintage renewal of their 100 grand Goffs Tyus Days Chase. It's um, a marquee race, probably one of the only standalone midweek marquee meetings um, left in this country. And... You've got a previous winner in there, a longhouse push. You've got a previous Grand National second in any second now. And you've got a Cheltenham winner in Angel's Dawn. It looks like this renewal is right up to scratch. Angel's Dawn's trainer is Sam Curling. Sam, not only famous for training the festival winner Angel's Dawn, but for producing a whole stack of them for other people, notably Marine Nacional, before he went to Barry Connell. I caught up with Sam a few moments ago, and I began by asking him how his star mayor was ahead of her assignment tomorrow. Yeah, she seems very well. She had a few spins over hurdles um, and uh, she seems to have come on plenty for that. And uh, she walked very well after racing in Nace a couple of weeks ago. So we'd be hopeful of a return to chase and now she could spark again. It was a lovely season last year. She just improved and improved and improved. It, it seemed to coincide with a, a gradual incremental step up in trip as well. Was it just that or, or was she was she getting fundamentally better, do you think? Uh, I'd say there was a combination of, of a good few things, but she is definitely better over fences and she improved with every run over fences. Um, probably the Irish National was just a step too far after travelling to Cheltenham and stuff, but uh, she, uh, up until that, she was very progressive and she still ran with credit in the Irish National. You know, it's just, uh, she's, uh, uh, you know, she, see, I'd say fences were the making of her. When you embarked on this season, what were the key staging posts? I'm guessing this was the first major aim and then, then what? Uh, well, this is this was the main aim. We'll see how she performs tomorrow. And uh, um, Alfie, who bred her, he, he's a breeder, obviously, and uh, she won't persist too much longer if she doesn't spark tomorrow, you know. But I'd, we'll get tomorrow out of the way. I haven't really planned anything after that. But this has been the aim since Cheltenham nearly last year. So uh, that we're, we're aiming at this. That's that's interesting. So, as you say, she's homebred by, by Alfie Sweetenham. She's by Yates. Uh, it, it, will she be covered this year come what may you know even if she goes and wins tomorrow and ends up at Cheltenham is she likely to be covered in 2024 do you think uh, as far as I know I, that's the plan yeah yeah. I'd say this, this will be her last year race and hopefully she'll be covered at some stage in the spring and she's from a, a terrific family as well it's a um, a a, a great flat family of Crystal Music and Tchaikovsky and State Crystal, all those Michael Poland back to a Jim Joel family, but thrown up Jack the Giant and, and your mare along the way. It's funny how things come about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a very good pedigree. As you say, it's 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 more flat, but as you, there's a couple of very good jumpers thrown in. So, uh, no, it's, 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 uh, it's it, as I say, Alfie's a breeder, so it'd be great that... Uh, you can have it to read from, you know. Um, I was sort of joking with you before we, we, we started recording that uh, you're connected to so many of the, the best horses that are, are running in Ireland at the moment that, that have been through your nursery and are, are now trained successfully by other people. I suppose Marine Nacional would be the, the most obvious one that Barry Connell's done tremendously well with. Uh, he, he left you unraced um, during COVID, and we know the story quite well now. Were you pretty clear in your own mind that he was a little bit special when you had him? Uh, he was, he was from from day one. I um, I got, I bought him as a foal, and we we done a bit as a two year old. Every every step of the way, he was he was just an exceptional jumping and galloping and 
done everything everything at his ease very sound horse and as you say Barry's done a brilliant job with him he's brought him along slowly but he, he was very impressive in in Leopardstown so hopefully he can keep going where did you where did you find him Sam? Um, uh, uh, an owner of mine John O'Connor bred him and uh, he was meant to go to a flat sale and he was too big and uh, he asked me to come over and look at him and we did a deal there and his place so uh, that's how I came about him and uh, genuinely what did you think when you actually first clapped eyes on him did you think you were doing him a favour or did you think oh hang on there might be something here no I, I wasn't going to leave it out of him he was a lovely horse as even as a foal fine he's a big striking horse you know a lovely foal and a horse with a with a monstrous engine as well. Um, just remind us of some of the other names that have come through the Curling Academy recently. Vanillier is one that trips off the t- off the tongue fairly instantly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did. He he was he ran great in the national last year on a festival winner. And we've had horses like um, Somerville Boy was another horse that won at the festival. And uh, you know the Chantreuse he runs actually tomorrow. He's another horse that we had. I'd say he has a big chance in the test days and no we we're lucky we have plenty of nice horses coming through every year so that's our main job you know we we like producing horses and it's great when they go on for other people you know have you got a have you got any any four-year-old weapons at the moment that you're about to unleash um, <laughs> uh, we've, there is plenty of them there anyway hopefully there's a few nice ones in it yeah so uh no there's a few lovely horses there coming along so next month they're at tell a lot but we do have some nice horses hopefully all right that was sam curling so uh, his star mare goes in the Thiestes chase at Goran Park tomorrow. That's Thursday, I think, Jane. I'm slightly losing track of which day's which. Uh, you will be there. Who do you like in the race? Uh, well, I will be there, and it is going to be Thursday tomorrow. And I um, I do think the mare is a great chance, albeit she's meeting Dunboyne at much worse terms. She's She was receiving £10 from him when she beat him uh, in the Kimure. Uh, he's now much better off, and he's got the assistance of Jack Kennedy. Jack has had uh, an extraordinary time this season. He's been harvesting winners of late. He had four winners yesterday in Down Royal, which puts him 19 clear of Paul Town in the Jockeys' Championship. We're in nearly to the end of January, and uh, people must be starting to think that this could happen for him. He's 24 years of age. He's won. He's broken five like he's obviously had five broken legs and everybody knows how unlucky he has been but at the moment he's riding like he is in unison with a horse he is extraordinary to watch Uh, midweek tuesday meeting yesterday basic racing and he was just uh, a standout joy to watch so jack kennedy on dunboyne could be another big win for him a race that he's won twice already and just to remind you nick again He's just 24. He's got a ridiculous amount of grade one wins to his name as well, especially considering how much time he's had off. He's going to, if he can keep himself in one piece, he'll end up as one of the all-time greats, won't he? Probably. Yeah, this was put to me recently. You know, we had the vintage era of Carberry, Walsh, uh, Russell and Geraghty. And now we have a Townend, um, a Blackmore and a, a Kennedy. And they're just... You know, Jack is obviously the youngest by far and he's extraordinary in what he's achieved already. As you say, he's got an unbelievable amount of grade ones. He's holding a top job, even though he's had all those breaks and he has a mentality that really he can handle any occasion. We'll all talk about Cheltenham. We'll all talk about big festivals. But just to watch him yesterday on, you know, races that are maiden hurdles, handicap chases to a normal 
punter might seem insignificant and he was riding them like they were Gold Cups. Uh, of course, he has won a Gold Cup in that spare he picked up on Manila Indo. He's just... Um, this is a big year for him. We know that every year is a big year for him, but I, I just hope that we get a clear run to Punchestown and may the best man win. All right, let's canter through some more uh, and talk about trials there at Cheltenham at the weekend. You'll have heard me speaking to Anthony Bromley, Joe Chambers yesterday, Willie Mullins still shuffling his pack for the weekend action. Uh, horses that you are most looking forward to see and you think whose presence could be significant or relevant for the season uh, beyond? Well, the Cotswold chase, I think, will be interesting on Saturday. Number one, if a Hoysenor runs in it, because I said last year I, f- I would fancy him in the stairs hurdle. I would fancy him again if he was running it this year. Um, Capadano is in there and likely to run because he's favourably treated. And I hope the real Wacker comes back to something like his best, but there's a lot of questions to answer in that race. And uh, the Unibet hurdle, obviously known as the international hurdle, I just, whether it's Imperia Pass or Lossie Mouth, I probably want to see Lossie Mouth more because we haven't seen her at all this year. They're the ones I really want to see, potentially Gallimarso as well. But I love how during the week it was said that, you know, away games pre-Cheltenham don't want to put a horse through it. Mm, uh, Willie Mullins has no problem doing it, does he? And these are all horses that are probably going to have their last run before March. Yes, but having said that, he's not going to run El Fabiolo in the Clarence House, is he? Because he's going to wait for the Dublin Racing Festival. Well, they cut the prize money in half, so why would he leave Dublin for more money? Okay, you make a you make a very fair point. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing whether Lossie Mouth goes to Cheltenham for a, a race or Doncaster for a, cor- a coronation. Um, that wouldn't be terribly ambitious if she went there, I don't think. Um, Ampere Pass, Anthony Bromley seemed to think that they were heading somewhere else, but he was surprised by the entry that would be great though i was very heartened to hear him say that he thought that the the champion hurdle route was the one that they would pursue with ampere pass you know he said third but at the moment third best hurdler in britain and ireland and we want to be looking towards next year for a chasing campaign anyway so you may as well roll the dice and and and, and get him in there it's a logical theory and they are looking towards next year and they don't want to they say tear the heart out of him. I think he's every right to go there. Leopardstown, inside track, he's entitled to be better at Cheltenham. We saw what he did in the Ballymore last year to Gaelic Warrior. We know what Gaelic Warrior is doing this year. Um, I, the, this this is a good horse. He's just in against what looks like two solid open open conditions performers in uh, uh, Constitution Hill and Stateman. But um, Lassie Mouth's the intriguing one. We had many years with uh, good mares, whether it was Benny Dijoux, uh, Annie Power and Kivega. The common theme between a lot of them was that they were very lightly raced. And I know Willie Mullins doesn't like to race, you know, horses that have had a busy juvenile campaign in their five-year-old year because he thinks it's, and it's proven that it takes uh, another year for them to, to hit into top gear. But if she were to go to Cheltenham on the back of one run, and as you say, if, you, if she went to Doncaster, we probably wouldn't learn a lot. Whereas if she went to Cheltenham, I think we'd be in a lot better position. Interestingly enough, the horse she beat last time we saw her in the grade one at Punchestown last April was Zarak the Brave. We haven't seen him since he won the Galway Hurdle over the summer, but he is actually entered in Nace in a graded race on Sunday. And it'd be good to see him back as well. God knows where he fits in. Anthony Bromley doesn't know himself, probably doesn't know himself either. But he's a talented horse. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm in Florida. Jane is in Ireland. The next couple of bits of news will interest anyone everywhere. Uh, they pertain to the two most controversial Kentucky Derby winners of recent times, pretty much of any time. 2019 Hero Maximum Security, 2021 winner, the late Medina Spirit. Medina Spirit in a moment. Maximum Security, first of all. You'll remember this is a horse who, five years ago, was winning a Florida Derby, then won the Kentucky Derby, then was disqualified for interference, was trained by Jason Service, the now incarcerated convicted doper, and went to the Saudi Cup after a half share in him had been bought for a lot of money by Coolmore to win this inaugural Saudi Cup and the $10 million US dollar share of the $20 million total prize fund. That money has never been paid to Maximum Security's connections because of what happened to Jason Service and his convictions for doping. Uh, and now the Jockey Club of Saudi Arabia have moved this on a pace somewhat, though not to a conclusion Jane Mangan, but what, what what has happened? What was significant about yesterday? Yeah, so the JCSA announced that it has concluded its own investigation into the matter and is recommending that the Stewards Committee should sanction Jason Service and disqualify maximum security. The final decision, of course, will be made by the Stewards Committee, but it is in the press release uh, that was issued yesterday, Tuesday, that the JCSA made a strong case that maximum security should be disqualified and service should be sanctioned. That means now the, the $10 million stake was never paid out. But of course, it means that it will be redistributed and Midnight Bayesview will be declared the winner. Uh, this is I'm reading this from the TDN and it goes on to say that Gary West, who owned maximum security with his wife, Mary, and in partnership with Coolmore at uh, the time that uh, maximum security won, Saudi Cup. Um, they weren't able to be contacted, but they contacted, but they uh, issued a statement saying that they would be supportive of any decision to disqualify maximum security and re redistribute the purse money. Mm. So it's been delayed, but I uh, suppose uh, it's not surprising. Uh, right, and in other news, and this is pretty important news as well for the Kentucky Derby and Churchill Downs' ongoing battle with with trainer Bob Baffert. Uh, Bob Baffert, you may have read this yesterday, instructed his attorneys, and I quote, to dismiss the appeal related to the disqualification of Medina Spirit in the 2021 Kentucky Derby. As Zidane racing owner Amir Zidane and I have decided it's best to positively focus on the present and future that our great sport offers. We thank the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission and Churchill Lands for listening and considering our point of view, and we're grateful for the changes and clarity that HISA brings to our sport. Now, that's pretty notable, Jane, a, a, no, a real note of conciliation from Bob Baffert, who's been at loggerheads with Churchill Downs through the last uh, few years and wanting to let bygones be bygones. Of course, the deadline is coming up for horses who might have to switch yards if they were to be eligible to be in the Kentucky Derby because as things stood, uh, Baffert trainees were banned from accruing um, points on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Now, lest you thought that Churchill Downs was going to be mollified by Baffert's um, statement. They issued a very short statement as follows. On behalf of Churchill Downs, today's dismissal of appeal does not change the current suspension or deadline to transfer horses for the upcoming 150th Kentucky Derby. So, no game from Churchill. <laughs> 
Well, if you're listening to the podcast last week, last Tuesday, you'll have heard me talking to Justin Fermark uh, in South Africa about the resurgence of, of racing in the country, uh, the involvement of Hollywood bets, and particularly a strong season in the Cape, both in terms of uh, racing and sales. So resurgent indeed that that is where we find our own Rishi Passad in South Africa now uh, in Cape Town. Rishi, tell me what you're up to. Uh, hi, Nick. Um, I'm about to um, get changed to head to the sales this afternoon at the convention centre in Cape Town um, to have a first taste of the racing fraternity uh, in Cape Town. Very excited. And obviously on Saturday, it's a big day of racing. Um, lots of top quality racing. It's an 11 race card, um, which is a little unusual. But um, I have started going through some of the races. Um, and obviously, the big race is um, race nine, which is the or the race that we know internationally um, as the Met. Um, and uh, see it again as the likeliest, um, as the horse to beat. Looking forward to seeing him. He's got a big reputation. Um, some really good supporting races. Uh, lots of youngsters on show as well. Hopefully, there'll be a, a star or two to be unearthed. But yeah, the big race is the, the World Sports Betting. Cape Town Met uh, on on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that all unfolds. Okay, and is it your understanding that yeah, there is a a more cohesive um, setup in in South Africa now, and that we can expect the racing to be um, growing in profile internationally over the next year or two? Yeah, it does. It does seem to be that. Um, as you, I think cohesive is the right word. Like other racing jurisdictions around the world. Um, factions have not always pulled in the same direction, but it, it appears that um, they've got the right person in at the top, Greg Board, and uh, he's got the right people beneath him, uh, all doing what they're very good at, whether it's in the in the world of broadcasting, marketing, finance. He's got all the right people in charge of those particular divisions, and they all seem to be doing a good job to uh, try and increase the profile, try and, and bring together bigger, better marketed race days. And so far, following the um, Cape racing season, it's been successful. And by all accounts, uh, they're expecting a very busy and successful day on Saturday. And you've just come from um, Potter's, where you've been hosting the bowls for the BBC. That to racing in, in Cape Town is a quite an interesting pivot. It is, yes. Um, obviously, uh, the bowls I've been doing for oh, two decades um, and something I enjoy enormously, um, but a change of pace more than anything else. Although there were one or two um, quite hairy moments of the bowls last week, um, which have been documented in uh, the tabloids. <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, uh, being back on race on a racing program. Um and it's also quite nice to catch up with one or two uh, people that I haven't seen for quite a while. Alistair Cohen, uh, who he and I worked together in Dubai um, for a spell. Uh, he's he's here, um, very kindly picked me up from the airport. So um, it's quite nice to catch up with him. And also uh, a few faces. I mean, you would remember um, Michael Roberts, who obviously is training yep. here now. He's got a fair few runners. Um, can still remember him getting beaten on Sabre Hill by Azud at York um, some years ago. Uh, and incredibly, um, Pierre Strydum, Striker Strydum, is still going at the age of 57. Uh, so another exciting uh, aspect of it, having not uh, seen him for uh, many a year. Um, and you were referring to, to the 
uh, interruptions at, at the bowls when you were hosting there. For anyone who's who's not who's not familiar, this happened. It happened on the set, didn't it? Uh, in uh, on BBC football coverage before, yeah, uh, where where some myster- mysterious sex noises were. <laughs> it's the only way, any way you can describe it, really. We're, 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 you, you say that. Can I just interrupt you? Say that our commentator David Corkill never used that phrase. He described it when he first heard the moans and groans. He described it as a sound issue. There we are. Uh, ever the ever the BBC professional. He he just didn't realise you just left your mobile on. <laughs> it was found. It was found. It was exactly the same mobile, or in terms of appearance, that the one that they found behind Gary Lineker during. I think it was an FA Cup match that was on the BBC. Um, yeah. So uh, the prankster, I can't remember his name, uh, took full credit, blame. I'm not sure which one it is uh, for said prank. Excellent. Well, um, that was that. This is now, and there'll be no such um, malevolent hijinks in in South Africa. I'm sure this weekend. Uh, have a great time. Thank you. All right, Jane. Good race in Dubai Friday. We'll have our official preview of that tomorrow with Laura King. But worth just teeing up some of the star names that are appearing. Yes, there's a lot of international interest in Dubai. Uh, I suppose most notably Marj, the Guineas winner, going over. Uh, Oshin Murphy hightailing it back from the US to ride her uh, but she's not going to get it all her own way you've got spirit dancer Alex Ferguson's Frankel in there for Oshinor and Richard Fahey uh, you've got Sandonato for Archie Watson and Pat Dobbs uh, elsewhere on the card what have you got you've got the blue point sprint which looks like it's um, attracted a good field including Logo Hunter previously a good Irish horse Equilateral and Emiratiana for the Osbournes and Clarendon House for uh, Robert Cowell and um, PJ MacDonald. So, yeah, this is uh, whetting the appetite. You also have the UAE 2000 Guineas, which, uh, unsurprisingly, um, Murphy has a ride in as well for Saeed in Nise. So, yeah, this is um, setting up what will be a busy few months in terms of Qatar, Bahrain, Saudi, and, of course, Dubai. Yeah, that's right. And you mentioned Asheen Murphy there. Uh, Asheen Murphy will be one of four high-profile European-based jockeys to be riding in the Pegasus World Cup here in Florida on Saturday. Well, I don't know whether Frankie Dettori is European-based or not anymore, but Frankie Dettori's got a ride in all three Pegasus feature races. Asheen Murphy's got two rides in the turf and the filly and mare turf. Ryan Moore's riding Warm Heart for Coolmore as she takes on the males in the turf, and David Egan has a ride in the turf as well. So they'll all be action in in action here at Gulfstream Park in Miami on Saturday, and that'll be Saturday evening uh, UK time. And I'm sure you'll be able to see that fixture on Sky Sports Racing if you're in the UK, and obviously you'll be able to see it on NBC if you're here in the United States. Um, There's another initiative, Jane, that you might not be aware of, that if you win the Philly and Mare turf race, which is uh, a grade two at the weekend, you get automatic... Uh, qualification and all expenses paid to the Nassau Stakes at Glorious Goodwood. Oh wow! Over for Goodwood. That's quite the. That's quite the incentive. What is likely? Do you think to pick up that incentive? I'm telling you exactly what's likely to pick up that incentive, and this is a a filly that you w- you might know, in fact, because she was in training with Rafe Beckett, and she's moved to America. 
um, to be trained by Cherie DeVoe, former Chad Brown assistant, who had a real breakthrough year last year. And she made her American debut the other day, or say the other day, back end of November at Churchill Downs. And she absolutely walloped a field of reasonable grade three horses by 10 lengths. And she is called Star Fortress. And you'll remember her as being a sort of listed class horse for Rafe Beckett. But she's owned by the Gunters, who had um, uh, without parole and bred Justify, of course. And I would imagine that if she won, they might fancy the idea of hopping back to Goodwood. I can see why they they like British racing. They like Ascot. Who doesn't like Goodwood? I'd be watching her, keeping an eye for uh, Cross Channel, coming back to the UK. She's only had the one run in the US. Is that right? Uh, yes, absolutely. All right, well, back to London, sort of, uh, but still continue our journey around the world on this podcast because yesterday uh, at a ceremony in the British capital, the Longines International Federation of Horse Racing Authority's World's Best Racehorse was uh, formally conferred on uh, Equinox, no surprise there. Um, 135, the highest ever rating for a Japanese racehorse. And after the ceremony, Charlotte Greenway, who was uh, present, caught up with Christophe Lemaire and asked him to reflect on this golden season. Uh, we can say that it was a perfect year um, because the horse connection uh, chose very, very well the, the races uh, he would be on. And uh, they made uh, the right choices. Uh, he started with Dubai uh, after his brilliant win in the Ari Makinen. Uh, it, it was his, his uh, first uh, travel abroad. So, you know, it was not easy to, uh, to, to bring him at his uh, top condition, but he won brilliantly. Then Takarazu Kakinen, uh, he was not as he, at his top, but still he did a great performance. And then at the autumn, they focused on the Tenno Show and the, and the Japan Cup. And uh, that was, the, all, all uh, these wins were very impressive. So uh, yeah, four starts, four wins. Perfect, 100%. <laughs> what more can you do? And he obviously showed moments of brilliance as a three-year-old. Did he surprise even you having sat on him and got a feel of him at three with what he was able to do at four? Yes, because... Uh, no, I was not surprised because uh, I knew that he would um, get better and better race after race uh, because of his pedigree and because of his... Uh, uh, Still, he's, um, he was a little bit soft, you know, uh, as a three-year-old. So mentally? Uh, no, physically. Okay. I would say more, yeah, physically, uh, still soft, even if he won uh, at the end of a three-year-old, the Ari Makinen. And then, as a four-year-old, I thought he would, he would reach his peak, and uh, that's what he did. Do you think, obviously, he's been retired to sudden, it's a totally understandable decision that they've come to. Was the potential that we'd never got to see the best of it? Uh, yes, I think as a five-year-old, his father became very, very good as, as a five-year-old. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he would have been able to, to do a great year in 2024. And, uh, but... Uh, he 
he entered the Shaddai Stallion uh, in healthy and uh, in good condition. He did uh, what he had to do and uh, that's, uh, I will miss him, but uh, that's horse racing. Uh, he raced until four years old, it's already, already great. And you've ridden some amazing horses throughout your career. Does he stand out as the best you've ever ridden? And if so, what sets him apart as well from some of those? Yeah, no, definitely he's, he's on top of the list, uh, maybe with uh, Almondai. Um, uh, but uh, it's the horse that I rode that had the most impact on horse racing world. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, this uh, Longines award is, is the, the, the best award he, he could have. But um, I felt, uh, I felt uh, horse racing lovers uh, very touched by his performances and, as I said, his aura. Uh, and this is very unusual and this is the first time that I feel that uh, with a horse. So he's a horse that's always going to have a special place in your heart and he's off to stud. There's a chance then that where are we, three years down the line you'll be sat on one of his progeny at the race course. Mm. Does something like that excite you? Would that mean quite a lot to you, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Especially the, the baby from... Uh, Equinox and Almondai, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in four years, so hopefully I, I will still be riding. Uh, but definitely, uh, his father was a very good racehorse and became very good stallion. Uh, Equinox are, has all the, um, all the, 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 how to say? Uh, so the attributes. Yes, attributes to, to become a very good stallion. Uh, he was not pushed uh, too far, you know, uh, on the competition. So, yeah, definitely he's got good pedigree, good physical, good mental. So we can expect him to be to become a good stallion. Yeah, and I'm sure, no doubt, he'll be receiving some of the very best mares in Japan. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, he will receive, yeah, as you said, the, the best mares. So. He will have his chance, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and so one, one, uh, one chapter ends and another one begins, and we look forward to following it. But thank you so much for your time. And, My pleasure. Uh, well done again. Right, we've been just about everywhere. We haven't been to Hong Kong, which is where we find J.A. McGrath. Nick, much rejoicing in Hong Kong this week. All the local stars figured in the Longines World Best Racehorse Rankings, published yesterday. Golden 60 was ranked joint sixth best in the world in 2023, having won all his four starts, capping it all with an unforgettable performance in the Group 1 Hong Kong Mile in December. An outstanding champion, the best we've seen in over five decades of professional racing in Hong Kong. Lucky Swainess was crowned the world's best sprinter, eighth best overall in the world, and all 12 Group 1s in Hong Kong were ranked in the top 100 races in the world. It's a fine achievement for a racing jurisdiction with just over 1,200 horses in training. That said, the fact that 14 Hong Kong horses got into the world rankings this year, that means they must have attained a rating 115 or higher, and it was down from 15 last year. That highlights a need for more carrots to be dangled in the front of owners, 
hopefully getting them to buy bigger and better imports, i.e. more expensive, to keep boosting the ranks. Hong Kong officials have said they need at least another 200 horses to consolidate and improve the overall standard. Let's go racing, and for a change, on a Wednesday, we head to Sha Tin. All eight races are on the all-weather track, the Hong Kong Dirt, one for the real track specialists. There's a really good race coming up, the finale, actually, race eight on the card. It's a Class 3 race over 1650 metres, just over one mile. It's on the dirt, obviously, and uh, there's a, a pretty promising horse here in number 10, Fran Tank, trained by Pierre Ng and ridden by Karis Teton. Fran Tank won two races when trained by William Haggis in the UK. He always showed a bit of promise. He's by Frankel and he's going the right way. He's got a pretty light weight and uh, he comes up against a cracking field, it has to be said. But I think he's got the wood on number four, Adderfield, who he uh, meets on considerably uh, better weight terms this time for uh, going under to that horse last uh, time out. So in race eight, number 10, Fran Tank to beat number four, Adderfield, and also keep an eye out for two yellow fin and 12 Nordic star. As I say, a cracking finale to this eight race card. Earlier on, I suggest you follow Casper Founds. He's got a very good chance in race three. Number three, Lucky Banner, a horse who has won on the all weather, likes the surface uh, uh, enormously and is to be ridden for the first time by Hugh Bowman. He's drawn attractively in stall three, and I think he'll take a power of beating. So race three, number three, Lucky Banner, take him in a tote swinger with number 10, Noble Win. That's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. All right, my thanks to the croc. Now, Jane, I appreciate this might be a little bit lost on you because I don't know how many British race courses you have visited, but you're getting around quite a few now. The quality assured racecourse scheme results have been revealed, and the top ten racecourses have been assessed by Visit England assessment services for race day experience. Um, all customer touch points, including ticket buying, on course experience, post race day communication. The average score rose between five percent and eighty one percent, and an increase in the award of RCA Excellence accolades, which are bolt on awards. Um, for specific areas of quality. So the top 10 race courses for race day experience were, in alphabetical order, Aintree, Beverly, Chelmsford City, Chester, Haydock Park, Ludlow, Newbury, Newmarket, Salisbury, and York. My initial observations, Jane Mangan, is that seven out of the 10 are independent race courses and not part of a major race course conglomerate. That may tell its own story. Um, Aintree, Haydock and Newmarket being the exceptions. They're all jockey club race courses. And of the 10, um, I don't know whether I'd call Ludlow North or South, but there is a, a very good geographical spread and representation North to South. And there are some particular uh, category accolades handed out as well. York does very well in all categories, as you would imagine. Um, but a quality of lose and cleanliness, Air, Hamilton Park and Musselburgh score in both of those categories, uh, suggesting that in Scotland they know how to spruce their racecourses up better than they do in, in the rest of uh, Great Britain. Um, yeah, look, I, I haven't... I'd say I visited half of the tracks and Musselburgh having won... I think they won race course of the year last year. doesn't surprise me they feature high 
Air, Hamilton and Musselburgh retaining, I think it's a five-star visitor attraction rating is what they have up in Scotland. Uh, so good for them. Uh, I presume your new market listing is the main track and not the July track. I've only ever been to the main track, um, right. but everybody tells me I need to go to the July track. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's nice to get the credit where it's due. We can often criticise, but uh, we'll bask in their glory for today. And where have you um, gone today for your tip? I've gone off to Fairy House for their reschedule meeting that was lost due to the frost last week. And the second race is the 1 uh, the one p.m. handicap chase. And I like Verdant Place. JP McManus has uh, a couple of really good chances today, including Mirrors Your West, who's odds on for the maiden hurdle later on the card. But for Pat Foley um, and Mark Walsh, I think Verdant Place has a very good chance of getting off the mark over fences at 1 p.m. All right, Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday the 24th. Uh, of January. We will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. <laughs> <laughs>